0: Fruits, or five pounds for a pint of fierce, or a daiquiri, any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds! Well, foot there. It is Madison. Tuesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 91 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and as always I'm joined this week by Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Bonjour
1: to the ABZ Football Podcast Solar System. Uh, I'm good. I'm working on my my French from my wee city break. Coming up here, gonna go and uh, we've made time in the itinerary to go and pay homage to the home of Aberdeen's favourite Tony. And I ain't talking about Tony Stewart. Tony Kumbawari, one assumes. Of course, once manager at PSG, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely,
0: definitely. Um, Graham's not here this week. Uh, he's at his niece's like birthday party meal or something. What a lack of commitment there, Gavi.
1: Staggering, staggering. I thought this kind of pattern was over when Jim Goodman left.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, in a week that saw Charlie Mulgrew and Mark Birgitti pay tribute to Dundee United's 1983 league winning side in fine fashion and it saw a don's defeat at parkhead that was just as predictable as Sami Zayn getting his ass handed to him by roman reigns on saturday night it is another busy one on the abz nfp as we take a look back at our aforementioned four nil humbling at celtic park in the spfl premiership we'll check in with our loanees in Lone watch and we'll check in with the young team before after the break it is a welcome return for Jeff's Music Corner and we preview next Saturday's visit of Livingston to Petaudry as the Dons Euro hopes begin to look more and more distant but first Celtic 4, Aberdeen 0 Saturday the 18th of February 2023, one change from the 3-1 win over Motherwell last time out Liam Scales dropping out on account of the Adam Montgomery rule replaced in the starting lineup by Jack McKenzie, Ross McCrory missing out once again through suspension. Patrick Mislovich and Dante Povara. Remember Dante Povara? Returning to the bench for this one. Conor Barron continuing to miss out. The Dons starting off in the same 3-5-2 formation as the last two outings under Barry Robson, but it didn't take long for the game plan to go straight out of the window. A cross ball into the box with less than two minutes on the clock headed weakly away by Johnny Hayes and it fell nicely to... Cal McGregor, who smashed home past Jay Gorter, the Dutchman's hand not quite strong enough to stop it, and the home side were off and running. And it was two just eleven minutes later. Rio Hatate being given the freedom of Celtic Park by the Aberdeen defence as he waltzed into the 18-yard box with no challenge incoming, before firing an effort low into the bottom corner. The Dons making the switch at this point from the three-five-two into a four-five-one to try and stem the tide, as this was looking to become. Very embarrassing, very quickly. Hitate could have and probably should have had a hat-trick in the opening 45 minutes, but a couple of efforts of his were well stopped by Gorter before Jota also had an effort stopped by the Dutchman. Celtic thought they had a penalty on 38 minutes. Johnny Hayes adjudged on the field to have clip made as heels after dallying on a clearance, allowing the Japanese forward to sneak in. From initial viewing, didn't look to me like there was any contact there, but the Dons were spared, facing a penalty as Vara judged that Jota was offside in the build-up. And the penalty was overruled, much to Willie Colum's sugar chagrin. One would imagine. Gorter again having to make a save from O'Reilly as the half-time whistle went. The Don's still lucky to be going in at half-time, only a couple of goals down. And at the break, coasting on from Miowski, but a little change to the pattern of play. The Don's though nearly in when a ball over the top on 55 minutes saw Joe Hart decide to do some Joe Hart things. But Johnny Hayes' effort from 35 yards out on an open goal was, let's call it, fucking atrocious. Duncan on for Leighton Clarkson on 63 minutes before the hosts made it three just 30 minutes later. Hitati dancing past Shinny and Ramadani in the midfield before latching onto a fortunate rebound to smash home from the edge of the box. Marley Watkins on for Duke on 82 minutes wrapping up Barry Robson's use of his substitutes for the afternoon before Abada made it four in the final minute, lashing home from a pass from Hak Sabanovic. Full-time, 4-0, Onto the data front, uh, possession seventy-eight percent to the home team, to twenty-two percent for the visitors. Total shots twenty to five, shots on target ten to zero, and expected goals of one point five for the home side to not point two seven for Aberdeen. In terms of the result, Gav, perhaps not surprising. I think we all admitted in the run-up to the game and the preview last week this is probably the stiffest test in the Premiership at this moment in time, going to Celtic Park, but. The manner of the defeat once again, leaving a hell of a lot to be desired.
1: No, having not seen the actual highlights, um, only hearing about the goals and what you see on Twitter and, you know, it's, it's, it's that thing. It's so, it was so predictable. So I didn't, I didn't check the score until 20 minutes in. And of course it's, of course, you know, Celtic Park, let's just go down there and keep things tight and maybe get their fans on their back and, you know, work our way into the game. And, you know, we just, away from them especially, we, we don't even give ourselves a chance in these games or anywhere from that matter, actually. You know, you watch the goal, the first goal, and I mean, I don't know how many red shirts there are in our penalty area, but Celtic are just playing their way around it like there's no one actually even there. And, of course, you know, header cleared way by Johnny Hayes. And then I think Duke's standing still, McGregor, you know, comes onto the ball. Our defence are apparently shocked again that there's an attacker who wants to be there and 1-0 down. And of course, you know, what is a huge challenge becomes almost insurmountable at that point. And just, yeah, some of these goals they've scored, um, criminal, <laughs> from, from my perspective, they're not Celtic playing at peak Celtic. Um, the second Every goal, yeah. one of the goals is shocking. Every one of them. The second goal you've said that he, Hatati waltzes in. He receives the ball on the 18-yard line, does a 180 turn, doesn't go past anyone in that process because our guys just then back away and back away and back away. It's like the fifth goal Hart scored. We're the only defense mm-hmm. in, the, in the country that back away when a guy's got the ball in the center of the goal. Um, third goal, you know, Hatati just takes the piss out of both Shinny and Ramadani. And then the fourth goal, Kennedy, what he's doing to Gorter, I've no idea. And then imagine my shock when Ramadani dallys on the ball and gets dispossessed. Uh, just, yeah, it's... Um, the result of the performance in isolation doesn't really bother me so much because it's pretty much what I expected. But it's just a timely reminder of just how far we have fallen in such a short space of time and just how, you know, how much work there is to be done for Aberdeen to even think of being competitive in, in games against Celtic or Rangers for that matter.
0: You kind of touched on it there. I mean, the game plan, talk about going out the window, early doors, it's not even two minutes around the clock when McGregor scores um, you'd have to imagine our entire idea was to try and sit up, sit in try and frustrate, make it difficult but to consider goal after just two minutes it's the same story as what happened at the start of the season first game of the season again shocking defender by Johnny Hayes this time round, that header out I saw Rob McLean try to pretend on Red TV, that it was a great header out it's like the one place you head the ball out as a defender is not slap bang into the centre of the
1: 18 yard box. Um, that's that that's propaganda on par with what was that name of that guy Saddam's like media guy? Uh, chemical, comical Ali. Everything is fine as like the tanks are in the background rolling the Baghdad. Ali. Or yeah. like, you know, it's like North Korea esque. But like I say, it's it's how easy Celtic are playing in and around our box yeah. to begin with. And like I say, every Aberdeen player I think is in the area. Maybe Miofsky's up front and Duke is in the vicinity. But like, no team in Scotland must get, there must not be an easier team in Scotland to play against if you're the attacking team than Aberdeen. <laughs> I
0: don't and think we so. Just,
1: we just don't bother actually ever tackling. Like, we've just lost that game 4-0, possession 78% to 22%. There's not a yellow card for Aberdeen. No, no, no. We only had six fouls in the game. We're not even trying. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's <laughs> It's as though like, was it Guardiola's Barcelona team? that like, There was an emphasis on not actually tackling. But we're missing up the part of the pressing, and you know, actually, well, the good thing there was that they also they also never lost the ball, so they never really had to defend that much. But <laughs> yeah, I was still, say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, how it, with players like Shinny and you know, Ramadani and Pollock, like how are we not doing more to make the game slightly uncomfortable for Celtic instead of just saying, you know, what, lads, you're too good for us anyway. We're like we're like Ned Flanders' parents in that episode of Simpsons, where they take it the psychologist, and he's like, and they're like. Come on, Doc, you gotta help us. We've tried doing nothing, and we're all out of ideas.
0: <laughs>
1: it's so true.
0: It's that thing, isn't it? Like, on one hand, you go, what the fuck have we been working on for? Because we had two weeks as well to prepare for this game. And talk about a performance, uh, and we spoke about it in the two games that Barry Ops has been in charge at home, the St. Mirren and the Motherwell game, where we talked about, at the very least, there appeared to be uh uptick in our physicality. In those games we looked at least we were going to put in tackles we were going to challenge teams we were going to be physical when we needed to be we weren't going to be scared about getting you know putting our foot in and then and yet you come to this performance on Saturday and it's the complete opposite it's back to being so passive so limited from a defensive perspective and okay there are there were times during the game it was like I'm not surprised we're not creating fouls because we just can't get close enough to them to to make fouls here and they're just taking the absolute mick out of us at, at this point. But I don't know, like if you're Barry Robson, I felt a little bit sore from him again, in the sense it's like, if you're standing on the side of the pitch and they can see the goal as basic as we do after just two minutes and the game plan goes out the window at that point, you must be like, what the fuck, w- what do we do? Like, h- what, How do we address this?
1: You must have felt like, you remember back in the day when <laughs> McAddis was in charge, Gary Locke was manager of Kilmarnock and we they set up clearly like very much contain, get to mm-hmm. time, blah, blah, blah. And we scored within like five minutes. I think you saw him like taking his notebook and ripping a page out. Because like, well, yeah, well, that's gone. Um, <laughs> but it's even like, even with a third goal, when Hatati takes the piss out of Shinny and Ramadani, there's clearly an opportunity just to make the cynical foul. Yeah. And just stop him from running, you know, on goal. And of course our defenders are just like, well, on you go, Rio. That's what we can do about this I, for you
0: here. The is actually, I don't know where the cynical foul can take place here Because when he nutmegs Ramadani with a pass, McGregor's in acres of space, so even if Ramadani like rugby tackles Hitati and takes him down, Willie Colum's just going to wave play on because McGregor was running in in like acres of space. So I don't even think the cynical foul was going to work there. Placing a lot of faith in the judgment of Willie Collum there. Well, this is also true. <laughs> um, the second, the second goal particularly for me was the one that really, like the second and third were the two
1: that really got my goal. I mean, the fourth is spectacular. If we, for me, if we weren't living in the world where. Charlie Mulgrew and Berigetti exist. Then <laughs> that's the one we're highlighting from for my money. But yeah, anyway, continue. Um, sorry, the
0: second goal. I mean, I've I don't know how many times I've I've had to force myself to watch it back again today, just to try and figure out exactly what goes wrong from a defensive perspective. The answer to that question is absolutely fucking everything goes wrong from a defensive perspective about it. It's like nobody knows who's meant to be picking up Patati. At one point, Pollock and McDonald are kind of pointing at him and pointing at each other or looking at each other just to be like, one of us should take him, eh? But neither of them decided to do anything about it. Once then, he spins on, I think it's Clarkson who he eventually moves away from. It's just backing off and backing off and backing off. It's exactly what he said. It's the same as what we did to Kami fucking Devlin at Castle earlier in the season. It's like, have you got Hitati on your coupon today to score? Because this, is, this could be no more simple a task for him and i think in fairness i think hitati is probably the best player in the league as well just to make it worse just to go here you go have a fucking free shot wherever you want to do unbelievable stuff and that must be just if you're barry robson and steve Agnew, you must be a standard, i was gonna say tearing your hair out not steve Agnew, obviously but what, what are you thinking watching that i don't,
1: i just i don't I, I can't even put into words how baffling that is it's um it's a feeling i've had many a time at fives recently i i I don't i don't know how you explain it it's hardly surprising conceded 51 goals through the season as well um no not really 37 of which have come away from home
0: um
1: 14 of which have come in the last three games
0: on the Uh, road uh, five six and oh 15 15 of them have come in the last three games um which of course we haven't scored in any of those either. Um and let's talk about our attacking performance quickly. Let, I mean, you don't what's, you don't expect the, the attacking performance. <laughs> well, you don't expect us to go to Celtic Park, and be gung ho. It's fair to say, but no shots on target in ninety minutes is pitiful stuff. Especially when Joe Hart came wandering it his goal twice in the second half to about the thirty yard line, and we still didn't manage to get a shot away on target. Perhaps even more damning. And expected goals of just 0.27 yesterday. Just mm-hmm. is
1: everything you need to know, doesn't it? It's that moment. Because like, when, when you go to Celtic Park and play Celtic or right, Ibrox, chances are you're going to have to go and put in, you know, one of your top five performances of the season. Everyone. To have even a chance of getting a result. And you have to hope that they'll have an off day. And Joe Hart was clearly just bored. Yeah, well, he, he fancied was. making making some work for himself because we were doing nothing and the one that I saw was when he comes away and I think Johnny Hayes dispossesses him and then Johnny Hayes has got Ramadani <laughs> in support and it's a pretty simple ball and then it's just a chip over the top and then I think that makes it 2-1 th- it'd be 2-1 yeah it'd be 2-1 yeah. and suddenly maybe the game changes maybe just does maybe we just annoy them and they go up the field and score another three and it's like the pass from Hayes to Ramadani is so shocking and it's a simple pass in our little moments of attack we're just we're so we're so bang, I was gonna say average. It's not even we're average. We're so below par. It's um, like I say, you just you you realize the scale of the task. And if we uh if we're to actually move forward, then some of these boys are not welcome on the ride.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably fair. I mean, and in terms of our overall performances against Celtic this season, three games we've played against them, our combined XG expected goals over three games is just not 0.56. We've mustered a total of of three shots on target against in three games against them this season.
1: What anyway, we, we must have been great in that first game because I can remember us even having a shot on goal in the, at Audrey.
0: Well, we didn't. So, Celtic have only faced a lower expected goals against them at home this season once so far in the league. That was against us on the opening day. That was not 0.23. Next in the league after that is Hart, interestingly, actually 0.29 early in the season. I mean, I mean, Celtic have only also faced a lower expected goals across the entire season once. That again was against Aberdeen. That was in the home game against us, where our expected goals that day was not point not six. Yeah, that's a that sounds about right. Unbelievably shameful stuff. That absolutely sounds right. So no bookings for us, you already touched on it. We only commit six fouls across the game. Just painful, really painful. You know it's gonna be a tough task, you know it's gonna be, but it's one of those performances where I'm like, the least I can expect is effort. And, you know, at least standing up to, or I was going to stand up to the battle. It wasn't even a battle. Making it a battle, making it difficult for Celtic. It, I don't think they'll have had an easier game all season.
1: Um, Probably not. I was going to say, uh, but Audrey, <laughs> but at least we we, we frustrated them. Held, if, we uh, uh, did frustrate What well, 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 Did we frustrate them? Frustration implies to me that they would have stopped. They would have like changed what they were doing, which they didn't. I think they always knew what was coming.
0: Yeah, but I, in fairness, I don't think the Celtic team will stop the way they're playing. I think they're just drilled to keep going the way they go.
1: Yeah, but even... And you can see
0: they were starting to get a bit frustrated in the last 15, 20 minutes of that game at I think. Not, I'm still not saying the approach was right, for
1: what it's worth. Anyway, we talked that game to death. Um, I agree, I agree. Uh, it's just, yeah, we're, like I say, we're, we're, such <laughs> a, we're just such a soft touch. Yeah. And this wasn't how it was, you know not altogether that long ago.
0: No. And I guess this is the interesting part as well. Is that's, you know, there's, there's new, there's maybe some mitigating circumstances when you look at this. It's a pretty makeshift back four, back three, wherever you look at it. You know, you've got Matty Kennedy at right wing back. You've got Johnny Hayes at left wing back. You've got two guys who've just come in the door not long ago in in Pollock and um, McDonald. Jay Gorter's the same. He's just in the door. Jack McKenzie's played very, very little football this season. It is a makeshift defensive lineup. You can't kind of get away from that. But almost in a way, that's also more worrying is that it almost doesn't seem to matter who the personnel are. We still seem to be the soft touch. Like, that's the bit I find more baffling more than anything is that it's, like, this is not a, is it an endemic club issue that as soon as you cross over the threshold at Cormac Park on the day of signing you just lose
1: any ability to fucking put a tackle in um well a tackle or you win the ball I mean Tony Strip was quite keen on them <laughs> I mean it's definitely an issue that goes through the club without doubt for <laughs> me um it's it, it's happened too often in the last two years especially or it to be anything otherwise. And I don't know, I don't know what exactly is getting drilled into the players when they're when they're training. I don't know what we're doing in our defensive work we train. If maybe we're like that guy, um I think it was Alessio. Remember like one of their players, when the command players making a deal about how he would quite often walk the team through imaginary games. I think it was Kirk Broadfoot actually. It was Kirk Broadfoot, yeah. yeah. And he would like they would, and he would set up he would, he would stop them all the time and talk about these various circumstances are going to happen. And like they were all apparently bored because like I don't know, because they weren't playing they weren't just playing 11 v 11 all day. Um boiling eggs in the microwave. Do we just defend like against imaginary players? <laughs> those <laughs> those metal walls. The metal do we just play like the, the fake men like you say for the walls and yeah. like it's like and then i mean i know what you're saying about the the penalty that like gets overturned because of the offside but for me i don't care if there's not any contact. The very fact John Hayes even lets the situation happen. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable the dallying that goes on there. I was like, in my mind when I was watching, I was like, okay, must they must have like blown up for him already. There's no way Johnny Hayes is being this casual in the game. Because there's one thing we know about Poster Celtic team, is that like they'll just chase down every ball as if their life depends on it. And he's yeah. just like, you know, as if he's out for a Sunday stroll. Um, so there were there were times there were
0: times watching the game on Saturday when I was a little bit like, has Johnny Hayes remembered he doesn't play for Celtic anymore? And it's really harsh, because Johnny Hayes, I think, has been a really good servant to Abbey Football oh, Club. He absolutely, honestly, he, times abs- like,
1: he absolutely has, but I mean, time is up. I, I think time it's is time. is up, Johnny. Yeah, I think it's time. Um, And, and trust me, mate, you're not the uh, you're not the only one. No.
0: The 3-5-2 system as well, we've seen it time and time again this season that it doesn't work for us. We did our own analysis on this during the Goodwin period when he then switched it back to the 4-2-3-1-4-3-3 about how actually for switching to it to try and protect effectively Tony Stewart. It was doing the complete opposite. I think we were worse defensively with 3-5-2 anyway than we than when we weren't. But I thought it was really naive again by Barry Robson. This is one of the, the the big criticisms I will have about Barry Robson at the weekend was that I thought it was naive because we've seen time and time again this season that it doesn't work for us. And it certainly doesn't work for us against teams who are really adept at playing either in a four, two, three, one or in a four three three where they have wide players who come in behind your nominal wing backs. You know, I think back to Sevco at Ibrox, where we just got, you know, ripped to shreds in that game where their four three three caused us all sorts of problems. I think that the Celtic team we played on Saturday are streets ahead still of that Rangers team. Um you saw even early doors, like Jota was just taking the absolute piss out of Matt Kennedy, darting in between the lines. It was naive just starting that way, wasn't it? The three five two? Just why? Why put yourself in that position?
1: Jota must absolutely love playing Aberdeen. Oh, of course he does. He has some of the absolute dug meat we've thrown up against him in the last <laughs> couple of years. Yeah, I know. Jack Gurr, Mike Kennedy. Holy shit. Um, it speaks volume to how little faith we clearly have in the two recognised fullbacks we brought in.
0: Well, I was just going to touch on the fullbacks in a minute ago, but let's just quickly touch about the system.
1: Well, I was just, I was just going to say like... I just, I, I get that early doors when we brought Pollock and um, Angus McDonald uh very late in the window that like you might want to have them in that team with someone who maybe knows the setup or you know has a better idea of maybe can like talk them through games, especially Pollock and that's me where you get a layer or a scales in there. but then we' we've, we've had two weeks for Pollock and McDonald's to to form an understanding. They seemed early in the first two games to to have a good kind of understanding of what each other's strengths were. Second game,
0: I was assuring it and I thought it and they looked a bit all over the place. But I could put that. I, yeah, I think that's as much. I, there, I could put that aside we because yeah. they went to ten men. Yeah. they'd been thrown together. I could see why that happened. But I thought it's was little bit they were developing a bit of a a,
1: a level of understanding. Maybe it's just a for for shit though. So you know. unless you're talking about freak results, you know, and I'm thinking. Back in the day, when David Jolitch burned past Paul Lambert, turned on the nitrous oxide, and you know, scored that two-one goal with that unbelievably makeshift Aberdeen side, you can't go to Celtic with a makeshift team and players playing out of position, or players just just coming back in after having not played for a sustained period of time, and expect to get anything. You know, you, I don't want to go down the route again of picking on people, but I mean, you're not you're not going to do anything with Jack McKenzie playing centre back. You're not going to. Match Jota or Maeda with Matty Kennedy and Johnny Hayes. Oh, no, oh, I know, I know. It's just as simple as that. I didn't think Jack McKenzie was 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 the major problem.
0: To be fair to him at the weekend, I thought he did okay. Um, it's not an easy situation to be brought into when you've played very little football this season, and I'm not convinced that I, I know. I know last season I was pushing that maybe left hand side of a back three might be a position for Jack McKenzie in the future, but the more I've seen of it happening in reality I'm absolutely not convinced by that at all um it does bring you back to what we just spoke about there though about you know selection choices again you know Matt Kennedy at right wing back Johnny Hayes at left wing back those are areas that we have to surely as a football club as a as a <laughs> I was is a serious you know, contending a Scottish football, but that's that's going a bit too far at this whole time. But <laughs> you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna get to where we aspire to be, are you? With with those two guys playing as your wing backs. Let's let's be honest. And is that how bad we are? Is that how bad the view about Jaden Richardson in particular is at the club now that he's just not even like getting a not even being considered and for what it's worth, I actually think put Jaden Richardson's um defensive frailties to one side for a minute which I know is very difficult to do when you're talking about a fullback or a right or a wingback but I actually think he'd have been a better option yesterday because at the very least he has pace and he might at the very least be able to kind of keep up with Celtic players and not just allow them just to drift inside him and before you know what they've gone you know he at least has to make them face him up and beat him one-on-one um he just seems to make like a much better option there. And it's the same I'd say about Hayden Colson as well. I think Colson would at least, you know, stick to his task from that perspective a little bit better than than Hayes would. And he has the ability to kind of get up and down the line a bit more. I don't know. I just find it really bizarre that that's where we ended up yesterday, again, that those are
1: our wing backs. The big thing, like I understand that maybe we've lost faith with Colson and and um and Jaden Richardson, but like how many players in our team can just go week to week and not perform? And they're back in the next week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, just, and, and things just don't change. like And then there's the, there's the one or two that just like they'll have a run of games. Doesn't work for them. And that's it. They're out of the team. Gone. You know, when we spoke with Lee Scott, I mean, there was an understanding seemingly that I took from that conversation that they understood that Jane Richardson was limited as a defender and it was going to be our job as a club to work on that with him. Yeah. He comes in, shock horror. He's not that great defensively. And, you know, Jim Goodwin, as much as anyone, just bombs him out of the team. And we are understanding that he was going to be potentially out the door in January if we had a taker for him. It yeah. seems like there's not that synergy between the actual recruitment and the management or, you know, the uh, the upper echelons of the club as far as like what we need to do with these players. And if you're then just saying, well, listen, this guy is terrible. And, you know, so is this guy over here. And, you know. Shaden Morris before he got injured barely touched the ball. Cal Roberts is not featured, I think, since Darvel. You know we've got to, we've maybe just got to then take a serious look at um, the recruitment as well as anything.
0: Yep. Um, I kind of don't even want to dwell too much about the performance on Saturday that much because it was so bad. Um, feel even ridiculous asking this question. Topped on Gav.
1: Um, I mean disclaimer: I wasn't there. I haven't seen the whole thing too. So with that being said, I'll go ahead and give it to... Jay Gorter looked good making those dives. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Jay Gorter
0: too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he made Jay Gorter was the only guy that kept that below 6, There, were, seven, there eight. were a lot
1: of impressive dives for the cameras.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to give it to Jay Gorter as well. Agreed. Will we move on? Please. Other news from Cormac Park this week. Little to report other than Dave Cormac breaking cover to give us an update that there was no update in the search for a new manager. Although things got a little bit interesting this afternoon. I mean, let's just,
1: let's, let's just go back to that statement briefly because I want to just say that I did not mind that statement. I thought it gave us, it gave me anyway, what I wanted to hear of, listen, (laughs) we feel the clubs in safe hands right now. Alan Burrows is going to be part of this recruitment process until he's in situ. Nothing's going to happen. That to me is okay. The reaction, (laughs) from some parts of uh, <laughs> Aberdeen Twitter is like combining that with, I've just finished binging the Wrexham documentary on Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it parts of that are like, yeah, I would never want to run a football club. No. Why would you, why, why would you want to do it? There's no pleasing some people, no matter what you do. Yeah. I I think it's a, absolutely a, fair that Aberdeen could, Aberdeen could sign like a prime Lionel Messi and someone will always say, yeah, but he's not really got a right foot. Does he? Doesn't trap back enough. Not going to win enough headers in the cinch. Yeah, absolutely. Although, speaking about the
0: new manager thing, it then got very interesting briefly on Sunday afternoon because Richard Gordon in what I can only describe as clickbait for the radio. I, would say, co- I would say cock cockteasing. Cockteasing, yes. <laughs> Indicated before the Motherwell Hearts game that he had some information about a prospective new manager um, at Aberdeen and that we should all basically hang on and and listen in to the end of Sports Sound um, to see what the news was and then I don't know maybe he got a message from Dave Cormack and was told to shut the fuck up I don't know what will happen here but then nothing happened other than a big old circle jerk from the West Coast media about Derek McInnes once again um, which was you know I feel like we've already been around that on a few occasions Um, Craig Levine wheeling out the classic be careful what you wish for routine once again um this all did seem putting two and two together, there were a there was a lot and lot of lots of chat at Cove on Saturday about Paul Hartley. Gordon Strachan <laughs> Yeah, Paul Hartley. About Gordon Strachan being appointed in some capacity as first team manager. Now, whether this is a, some sort of an interim role to the end of the season or more permanently, I don't know. Um Let's just Strachan obviously has come in big time at the bookies over the course of the last week. Um, he is currently, as I see it just now, um, still the the bookie's favourite. Let's just preempt this, Gav, and let's just suggest that there is some legs in this. Your thoughts? <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> no, you're gonna have to talk about it. You have to talk about it because when we do a mini later this week about the fact that Gordon Strachan is our new manager. I want to be able to refer back to which, this.
1: which, as we said, would be the most Aberdeen thing to do: of release a statement like, hey, "Alan Burrows will be in charge for the appointment <laughs> of the new manager." What's that? Oh yeah, by the way, this is our new manager. He's called Gordon's Dragon. Last no. seen, last seen in T side a club, a club manager. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Cormac. Like, I don't know. Maybe Cormac phoned him up to invite him to the Gothenburg Greats
1: thing as an inadvertently offering him the manager's job. I mean, we've done Cormac's done worse things. <laughs> this gives me a headache. This whole thing—it's not the way I think we should go about things, even on a temporary interim basis till the end of the season. Uh, it's not what I want to see happening. It's it—it it screams so much of short-termism.
0: Even if it was an interim thing till the end of the season, just no. alongside Barry Robson. i not. Agnes.
1: You know what? Given how much he's coasted at Dundee the last few years, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I would. I wouldn't. Um, what won- Again, he's not been involved in club management for 13 years. Ask Middlesbrough fans what they thought about him when he was there. He massively underperformed as a Scotland manager, as far as I'm concerned. If,
0: interestingly, I went and had a look at his numbers today because it's the first time I've, had a, I've ever really wanted to go and do it. If you strip his Celtic spell out of his managerial career, which I kind of think is... Is that cheating a little bit? Maybe. But at the same time... <sighs> If you're manager of Rangers or Celtic, it almost doesn't matter how bad a manager you are, you're going to win more games than you lose.
1: Yeah, just Wally, speaking. Just ask Ronnie Dela. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not Pedro. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Kashinia. Rangers maybe have found it? Rangers have found cheat codes against that uh, that rule. Maybe the last few years, but uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Anyway, like just generally speaking. Because
1: what I mean because like Strachan took over after O'Neill. O'Neill, so it would have had the remnants of that team, and Rangers are starting to run out of fake money. <laughs> um, I know, I know, Strachan's a highly respected coach back in his day, and any player that played for him speaks very positively of him. But it's just, it's first of all, it screams populist to me. Yes, absolutely. of
0: course it does. Of course it is. If, put, if you put, of course it does because if you put it the other way, if Gordon Strachan had not played for Aberdeen in the 80s, would he even be considered for something like this? Uh, much like
1: Stephen Glass or Mark McGee? No. Would he be considered for this at any other club in the in the top flight of Scottish football right now? Uh, no, because if he was, then he'd have been given that job. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that is it is entirely a populist thing. Yeah. It's It smacks to me that Dave Cormack thinks the best way to really kind of sell the whole 40th anniversary thing coming up is wouldn't it be great if we had Gordon
1: Strachan in the dugout? Yeah. well, I mean, why don't we just okay, go? Why not go full hog and you know get Eric Blacken as well? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is the thing. And then I've seen people suggest that well, maybe this
0: could be a good thing to do because then he could just be interim, and then maybe this is all designed to get him into director of football role at the end of the season. He steps up into there, and then we've got a new manager comes in, whether it's Barry Robson or whether it's somebody else. And then we've got a guy who has experience on the football side. You know, we'll have contacts, blah 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 blah, and they direct the director football role. And my thing with that is. If you want to put a new director of football, just appoint a new director of football. You don't need to do this. This is just silly on a number of different levels.
1: If yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to make him director of football. Like you say, just make him director of football. And he can, you know, work in consultation with Robson and Agnew. Yeah. From afar it doesn't need to be, you know, the man in the in the um, in the dugout. I, yeah, I'm not on board. No,
0: no. I I'm not really, I'm, I'm, and
1: to be honest, I'm not really even that on board with any of him coming in as director of football.
0: I'm not convinced about the director of football thing either, because I think if you go and ask Dundee fans how he's, you know, um, performed in the role of, you know, head of football operations or whatever his job title at Dundee is, I don't think they'll be particularly glowing about it either. I mean, he is the man, after all, who appointed Mark McGee last season when Dundee had just won a couple of games on the spin and looked like they were going to turn a corner and. Yeah.
1: I saw He's that because people were trying to excuse that on the basis that they were they were gone, and it's like, that's not true. they just won two at three. I think they'd just be in Hearts of Titan Castle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they had. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. players were still playing for McPake, and then Strachan, we know, was the one who made the call to bring Mark McGee, who had a, what, 6-7 match touchline ban. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, um, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, for the for the comedy value for the cinch maybe we should just go ahead and bring him back get him um, get McGeehan his assistant did they, have, did they have Presley as part of their setup at Scotland uh ooh, they might have done let's they had, just say they they, did. there was there was an ex-player in their setup as well can't remember who it was I'm gonna say Presley um so but yeah um yeah uh, <laughs> I'll nail my colours to the mast uh not not interested <laughs> no no thank, thank you anyway let's move on
0: Lone Watch Corn McQuinn came off the bench for the last 50 minutes as the Perth Saints saw off Dungeon United 2-1 at Tanadice. A beautiful, beautiful goal from Stevie May. Be fair, both of, the them, both of them are kind of exceptional. They are both pretty good.
1: The second one, though, is just oh, chef's kiss. It's, it's well, there's because there's so many things in it. It's the absolute hospital pass your man plays to Mulgoo to begin with on yes. his right peg when he's got yes. two people coming from both directions. Mulgoo, who is just like, ah, fuck this, I don't want it. Plays it back and then does nothing. Yeah, plays it also into the center of the goal. Doesn't even play it off to one of the sides. Yeah, and Biragetti, who must be making like an audition tape for Aberdeen, is like, <laughs> "Well, there's no chance that Stevie May or anyone could possibly come in to try and tackle me here." So I'll just, oh shit! And I believe that he went off injured. Yes, which is like Dida, <laughs> against Milan <laughs> against Celtic when they guy like, tapped him on the chin and he then yeah. like started chasing him, like, "Oh shit, I'm just gonna go down." Uh, I've overcommitted now <laughs>
0: Every bit of it, amazing I don't know how many times I've watched it Over the last 24 hours I'm still howling laughter every time I see it It's brilliant Everything I've said against about Stevie May in the past I take it all back Yeah, And the one thing I will say This will only appeal to fans of a certain vintage But there's something deeply, deeply ironic About the fact that this was the game that United were using for their whole 1983 league title celebrations, and they got undone by a pass back. That is fucking... Honestly, you couldn't write that sort of script. Beautiful stuff. Well done to all involved. Tony Ashgar, what a guy. Liam Fox, top marks. Can't wait to come down and give you three points in two <laughs> weeks' time. Let's move on. Keen Naguenya at Wraith Rovers, an unused sub in Wraith's one-all draw at Queen's Park on Friday night in the Championship. Jack Mellon played the full 90 minutes at centre half as Kelty Hearts beat Queen of the South 3 0 in League One. Heck of a result. Good result for Kelty Hearts, absolutely. Evan Towler with the full 90 minutes. Aaron Reid lasting until half time as Elgin City went down by one goal to nil to Stranraer at Butter Briggs in League Two. Anthony Stewart, we all know, injury keeping him out as MK Dons were beat 5 2 by Sheffield Wednesday in League One. They, they need a solid centre half in there, it's fair to say. In in finest Milton Keynes. Yes. Yeah, they don't know what they're missing. No, absolutely not. Uh, Dean Campbell, no place again for him in the matchday squad as Stephen is. We're beating 2 0 by Stockport County in League Two. That's two defeats on the spin. I think Steve Evans's magic bag of cash is rapidly <laughs> running out. I think he may be overcommitted early doors this season. <laughs> um, I, I'm presuming Dean Campbell's injured because he's been in and about the squad the whole season. Um, So I'm going to presume that's what's happening there. And then Vicente Bajewin, not even in the matchday squad tonight for Excelsior as they play NEC in the Eredivisie. They're currently 1-0 down as well there. So Excelsior heading towards the relegation zone in the Eredivisie. As well, um, onto the young team, Stuart Duff and Robbie Hedeman continuing in charge for the visit of Celtic to Cormac Park. And the young team saw off the visitors by four goals to three in a thriller on Friday afternoon, the Dons taking the lead through Brendan Hamilton, who converted a penalty on 25 minutes after Lewis Perry was brought down as he bore in on goal. The Dons then doubling their lead just four minutes later, Perry squaring for Liam Harvey, and after his initial effort would hit the post, he was the first to react and prod home on the line. Celtic grabbing a goal back, though, almost immediately through Hatton. It's amazing when you look through the under-18s, by the way, how often a team score, and like a minute later, the opposition score again. Come on, lads, <laughs> fucking sort it out mentality and then Celtic forcing equaliser on 35 minutes as Turley curled in an effort into the top left corner yes Galf what were you gonna say I was gonna say there's no chance they'll make the first team with that kind of attitude no definitely not 2-2 at time. the Dons regaining the lead almost straight from the restart Liam Harvey with his second in the game before the young team then made it four just three minutes later Finlay Marshall with some good work for his cutback eventually fell to Alfie Stewart and he finished Well, Celtic pulling a goal back to Turley again, but the young team held out well for the remainder of the game to take the points. Next up is a trip to Lanarkshire to face Motherwell on Friday. A week off for the women's team. Next up is the visit of Glasgow City to the Balmoral next Sunday. And I think, Gavin, that'll do us for this first half. What do you think? Let's, uh, Let's take a wee break. This episode of the ABC Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street. Siberia is back and better than ever in 2023 with a revamped food menu and even better they're offering free area hires between January and March. Head on down and get rid of those January blues by enjoying a night out with your friends on Bellman Street booking area or even a table for Siberia's 2023 Burns supper via their website at siberia-aberdeen.co.uk Welcome back to the APZ football podcast. And before we move on to Jeff's Music Corner and uh, our preview of the visit of Livingston next Saturday, we just want to give a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Mutton Man, 1983. What a name. We see you. Your bread is appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffee, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast, the link is in the description. Please, that'd be great. Buy us a beer or a coffee. It is absolutely much appreciated. Um, we were gonna update our spreadsheets and everything for the Aberdeen to Gothenburg piece. i not done here. It. Graham's not here, so
1: fuck it, we'll do it next time round. Which means um, I, I would like to just uh <laughs> put in my own little thanks as well while we're while we're here. Oh yes. And the likely event that he's listening in the Argentina area, I would just like to say a, a big thank you to one Juan, Juan Colbian for his involvement in last week's episode uh very very much enjoyed that interview and it's always nice to hear a guy who comes with no prior relationship to Aberdeen or even Scottish football coming and even with a short stint sounds like he really enjoyed his time here so would you like to give a shout out to to Juan kopian
0: yeah absolutely because of course yeah, yeah it's funny because you'd messaged me didn't you Gav When you're putting the show together, because it was the first time you'd actually heard the interview properly, and it was a proper, it's like that was really good, like because it's one of those you don't know what you're going to get because he was obviously only here for like four games, so you know
1: you don't know what's going to happen. But a topper of a guy, it would have been so easy for him to just be like, "Um, "Yeah, so I signed." What do you remember your first game? Nothing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: got injured. I left again. Great guy. Really, really, he offered us up so much more time than we, you know, than than we're entitled to get for a guy who played for four games.
1: I will uh, gladly take up his offer one day of maybe uh, going, for, going to Buenos Aires for a cerveza.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah, grande. Grande. You're paying. It is, of course, a welcome is a welcome return. It's always a welcome corner. return. Everyone loves this. It, I think people do like it. I do yeah. think people like it. New listeners, because we have had a few, especially after Darvel I think the Darvel game was a, a real
1: peak moment in new listenership. The Darvel, yeah, the Darvel game and our omnipresence on local news Yes Did drive a spike in in the yes. old following on the socials and in the listenership Which, yeah uh, Absolutely, again, yes Always appreciated as well
0: Definitely And I don't, have we done a Jeff Music Corner since then? I don't think we have We have
1: not I'm positive we haven't
0: Okay, for those of you who are not familiar with Jeff Music Corner The whole idea originally was meant to be one-hit wonder songs From the kind of mid-late 90s, early 2000s that we all liked and we were just going to try and see if we could find a way to bring these back to Aberdeen football club then as is always the case on this show the parameters have been expanded greatly to them now just being effectively whatever we want to do basically um, yeah so here we are and this is this this is a true banger from the early 2000s even gav is nodding his head at this
1: this is a song designed for the express purpose of being a banger and Absolutely. my Christ, did this guy achieve his goal? He <laughs> did definitely, definitely. Um, reached only number 19 in the UK charts, which I'm, I am i think is low. Well, yeah, because back in the day when we were first talking about Jazz Music Corner, Graham did mention this to me. I was like, well, I don't think it's really a hit as such. But then you guys brought that JJ72 song, which was neither a hit nor a banger. So like you say, <clears throat> we can just talk about anything. Excellent. So released... 29th october
0: 2001 it is of course gavin when it's time to party we will party hard <laughs> oh andrew wk there's a little bit of a, a bit of sammy zane
1: theme there actually isn't it now i think about it there's a little bit I, what i've always loved about this song is that it, clearly one guitar player would do yes but they have three each just doing the same part over and over again I've, yeah, you need you need the the. It's the, the wall of noise effect. Yeah. Yeah, it's the.
0: It's not volume. It's it's girth. It's it? girth. It, yeah. It has to be right channel, left channel, down the fucking center channel, smashing the head with the same
1: riff, over, exactly. and, over and over again. There's literally no work has gone into any guitar player <laughs> thinking. Well, if you do that, I might do this instead. No, we're just gonna play those chords. <laughs> might stick a wee pentatonic over this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um
0: so what were the Dons up to in the weekly release? A 2-0 defeat at Ibrox at the hands of the now defunct Rangers Football Club. Um the Dons line up for this one in a 5-4-1 formation as Ebb threw the dice with Peter Kieran goals, a back line of Thomas Solberg Kev McNaughton, Jamie McAllister Phil McGuire, and Derek White. The way you've First written that,
1: the way you've written that makes out to me that Kev McNaughton and Jamie McAllister are playing centre back. Uh who knows? I can't it's Reb, maybe.
0: Um, <laughs> Fergus Tiernan, Darren Young, Darren Mackie, and Robbie Winters across the midfield supporting Eugene Daddy. <laughs>
1: Look at the creativity in that team. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know. Eugene Daddy up top by himself. Uh, two goals from Tori Andre Flo, sealing the win for the home side. Of course, that wouldn't have been on dodgy money at all. us on. Oh, that's weird. How's that happened? I'm just, this isn't even I'm planned. Just wear my, wearing, wear wearing, my,
1: uh, wearing my very nice company a top. A Norwegian team. Yep, they're also garbage.
0: <laughs> so anyway, um, getting getting party hard back to Aberdeen. So Graham, I think, had initially was the one who suggested party hard. I think. Yep, he was. And Graham was adamant he couldn't get it back, and so th- there was a a concern we couldn't make this happen. And I'm not gonna lie, it does become a little bit tenuous here to do it, but fuck it, that's what we're here for. So. There is another way you can do it, but I think it's too straightforward and it's a bit boring, so we'll do the other way first. Andrew WK, born in Stanford, California, not Connecticut, which is disappointing, but never mind. Um, Grew up in Ann Arbor Michigan. Now, neither of those provide any obvious routes back to AFC, although there is one. Andrew WK, born in Stanford, California, former Don Stryker Christian Ramirez, born in Garden Grove, California. So they share a state of birth. But that, it's pretty boring. Ooh. That doesn't work, does it? That doesn't work. So here we go. Party hard. I'm booing the
1: as... I'm booing the link there, by the way, not Christian Ramirez. You're booing both, aren't you? Let's not let's, okay, not... I, I, let's I got go. I got my fill of that when he was here.
0: Okay, fine. So party hard used as walk-on music by darts player Steve Hine, or the muffin man, as he's known, because he's a baker by trade. And he and for his walk-ons, he'll often just chuck baked goods into the aisle Gav's a way to go check if this is actually real or not yeah, so Steve Hines though big Coventry I'm going to dare say you could call him Muffin Man for another reason <laughs> which brings us neatly to Ian Jess there is of course several links between Aberdeen and Coventry but the Portside Pelly is always going to get the pick of these ones so there we go that's the link for Party Hard back to Abbey Football Club
1: is it tenuous Gav or is it okay are we alright with that one um, it's tenuous, but I'm more than happy to allow it just to have the chance to talk about Party Hard and to just have that riff in my head right now.
0: Yeah, and it's Party Hard, and it's Ian e Jess, Synergy, together, yep. look at that, there we go.
1: A banger Gav, are we agreed? Uh, 100%. From start to finish. Doesn't stop, does not it? Relentless. I also love the fact that in this like just hard rock guitar <laughs> song, someone at some point in the studio is just like, you know what this song needs? See, it's like an E octave chord on a piano. Yes. Nothing else. No. Literally just the octave. That's all we need. Oh, but just need to break it up a little bit. Yeah, we need to show you've got an emotional side. Let's get some piano involved. <laughs> what a track.
0: Um, I can't remember Andrew WK doing anything other than this. He I think did I had this album.
1: He did do the theme song to the very first Jackass movie. That sounds about right. That sounds on brand. Called, on it was called We Want Fun. Um, Andrew WK <laughs> was definitely someone who knew his audience. Definitely, definitely. Do you
0: think we can get Andrew WK along to a game of Petardy?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't subject the guy to that. Just down the front of the shed. If he ever, if we ever like, do anything like a live event or like a fan zone or something like that, then I'm all about him getting involved, um, leading the mosh pit. Just playing a song on repeat. That's it. It's all that's happening. See how much energy that guy can keep up when he's watching. I don't know. Ramadani dither in midfield. Ooh, Gav, sore. Cuts
0: to the bone. Never mind. There we go. Speaking of bangers, next up to Todrick
1: is the visit of Livingston
0: in the SPFL Premiership.
1: Yeah, before we go into this, I think we should maybe mention that we did invite the Almondview View boys onto this week's show to talk about this game, and they ignored our messages for the longest time, and then they said they were unavailable. So I think all we can deduce from that is that they are running scared. Shat it. Shat Disappoint- it. Disappointing lads. Livy Lions. Mm-hmm. Ah. Hey, oh, here's
0: one quickly. Just um before we start recording, I had asked if anyone in the solar system wanted to talk about anything particular. Um, people have made far too many sensible suggestions, but Mark Simpson's come up with a good one. Will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? Simpson knows his references, he knows what we're all about. Um and then Jim the Regular has just pointed out that Madri is
1: pish. He's not wrong. Um, yep, yeah, no issue with that from me. No, definitely not.
0: Anyway, um, Livingston. The Lions. Here we
1: go. Yes.
0: Two meetings between the sides so far this season. One win apiece. The Dons, 5 nil winners in the August Sun at Patodra. Early in the season, a brace from Boy Amiowski, One for Vicente Bajewin. One for Ross McCroney. And a first Dons go for Ryan Duncan ceiling. What eventually turned out to be a comfortable win after the sending off of uh, Fitzwater just before half time. A 2-1 defeat at the Tony Mac in November. One of the worst opening half-hour spells I was gonna say by the dawns under Jim Goodwin. I think I'd go goes as far as say, period.
1: Um, you know what I mean. After more recent events, I think that's actually kind of fond memory for me. <laughs> um, Duke
0: eventually scoring in the second half from the penalty spot after he took over penalty because Miovski had a howling miss in the first half. That was also a game that was like VAR was just hilarious, wasn't it? As I recall, uh,
1: three penalties for handball. If I remember rightly.
0: Three, I think so yeah I think that's right so Livy coming to this one in sixth spot they're three points ahead of Aberdeen with a game in hand fresh off a 3-0 defeat at home to Sevco on Saturday I'm sure that's a result that David Martindale Dale been really gutted about they also got knocked out of the Scottish Cup the week prior a 3-0 defeat at home to ICT uh, just one win in the last five games in all competitions that was a 3-1 win over Kilmarnock at the start of February Livy do arrive at Patoja with the sixth best away record in the league. Played 12-1-4, drawn two, lost six. 27 goals in their 25 games so far in the league. 17 of them from open play. That's against an open goal. Expected goals of just 12.22. That's the lowest in the league. Perhaps not that surprising. Seven goals from set pieces against a set piece. Expected goals of 7.06. Two penalties and an own goal and a partridge and a pear tree. Take the goals up to twenty-seven against an overall XG of 26.4. Top goal scorer is Bruce Anderson on five, Nicky Devlin with four assists. They've conceded a total of 37 goals across this season so far, 21 of those from open play against an expected goals against of 23.83. Eight conceded from set plays against a set piece XGA of 7.92. In terms of style of play... You all know what you're going to get with Livingston. Average possession of just 39%. It's the second lowest in the league. And they're averaging just 1.94 passes per sequence, which is the lowest in the league. Perhaps not a surprise there. In terms of zones of control, again, not a surprise. So, the graphic up. So we Livingston the episode, average, so red Livingston, zones
1: are the ones that... So Livingston average less than two passes whenever they're in possession. Per sequence. Is that why, is that why I'm to read from that? Yes. How is that... How is that even possible?
0: It's just the data, Gav. It's just the data. It's, it's an average, that, though. Remember, it's an average.
1: I know it's an average, but I mean, that that's, wow. Yeah, that's got to be a glitch in the system. No, I don't think so. That if you watch them, anyway, yeah. that can't be true.
0: The gap, Gav, their open goal expect, their open play expected goals is 12.22 for the season. For the season.
1: Oh, well, I'm backing them to make more than two passes on average when they're in possession. Yeah, but like this is a team who
0: give up possession pretty easily. They 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 are not bothered about keeping a hold of the ball.
1: I'm gonna be. I'm right. Okay, that's. I'm I'm gonna watch. We keeping an eagle eye. No, I'm not. I'm in France. Um, (laughs) I'm somewhere else. Keep an eagle eye. They'll probably put in their finest
0: performance of the season on Saturday and blow this all out of the water. Anyway, zones of control. Giving up loads of territory. Again, once you know you'll see it yourself in the graphic, um the red squares are squares that um the opposition team are dominating, the blue squares are the ones that Livingston are dominating. For the purposes of this graphics, Livingston are shooting from left to right. Um they're giving up possession everywhere on the pitch except for their own 18 yard box. In terms of PPD, passes per defensive action, an average of 14.6, which is the fourth highest number in the league. So they're not executing a particularly intensive press either again they're more than happy just to give up possession sit in and wait for you to make a mistake although interestingly they're third in the table for goal ending turnover so when they turn the ball over within 40 yards of the opposition goal they've done that and successfully converted that to a goal three times this season and that's the third highest number in the league anyway Gav, thoughts?
1: Uh, Livingston at home Livingston at home what well, do you think I mean, we're gonna get? Well, I mean, it's um it might shock people given how um deflated I was when talking about the Celtic game, but I think that this is, you know, a bit more how should we say our pace of game, where our players might not look quite so quite so fucking useless. Um we showed what we can do against Livingston earlier in the season. Um that was a point in time when they were trying to play it from the back which i suspect they might not be doing any more based on those possession stats you've just given me there you're gonna get time you're gonna get space against them it's it's a game that feels like it should play into our hands in that way because you know obviously when teams press us or try and tackle us we um we panic but then you've just you've got the livingston you know, the element of them they, they are a very difficult team to play against um they did do a real number on us in the that first half an hour, especially at the uh, at the Tony Mack. You'd like to think now with likes of Pollock, um, Angus McDonald, would McCrory come back in the team for this one? Should do. Liam
0: Scales will be available as well. Yep. Scales
1: as well. So you should have some extra physicality Whoa, come
0: in. Liam Scales might be out for this game, actually. He might be suspended because his red card at Easter Road, well, his second one was his second red card of the season and for that you get an extra games ban but, but the second game doesn't come into effect until 14 days after the original game that's weird so if he'd been available for Celtic at the weekend that would have been the second game that's weird. I think he's suspended I I think
1: that's weird
0: yeah that's the SFA for you isn't it I, I'm 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 pretty certain that
1: he's um... well I mean actually now I think about McCrory I mean that's what violent conduct would that not be a free game ban uh, it was a two game ban for Ross McCrory okay, well, I think then. likely you do you get one of those kind of players in um, so some better, more physicality in the team you like to think that things are in place there we can match Livingston for their set pieces their throw-ins easier said than done but I think with McDonald and Pollock especially we've got um, more strength in those areas we saw that against Motherwell um, even at times against um, Sitminen. not all the time but some of the time so if we can just, you know, get off to a good start, which has been difficult all season, maybe get a slice of fortune like we did against the uh, at Petaudry, get a goal ahead. I think we've got enough in the tank to win this game. And it's a huge game because if I think we lose this game, then top six even becomes a bit of a distant. You know, you're just saying they're three points ahead with a game in hand, make that a six, maybe make that nine. That's another team that we're probably not catching. So big game um another test um for the team but believe it or not and i would like to see some changes in the team i'd like to see people who seem undroppable to find that they are in fact not but i've actually got some some relatively positive feelings about this game that we can actually come away with a with a good result
0: what do we need to look out for do you think i mean it's it's interesting because bruce anderson whether you're not in the yeah, Livingston not in the best run at the moment. Like I said earlier on, one win in the last five in all competitions. They got absolutely cuffed by Everness Cali Thistle in the Scottish they Cup did. last week. You can't really take a huge amount out of the game that they had against um, Rangers on Saturday, I don't think. I mean, there was a couple of infinitely dodgy decisions which went against Livingston, it's fair to say in that game. Um, goals are a massive problem for Livingston, and we know exactly... What they're going to come and do, don't we? They're not going to come here and try and play expansive. They're going to come and try and frustrate. Um, do you think we've got enough about us, though, in terms of going forward at the moment, this moment in time, to kind of try and break down a team like that?
1: If we can reach the performance level that we, you know, were able to achieve against Motherwell later in the game, I, I do, I do think if we can get Duke, you know, finding his inner Duke, and we can find a way to to feed uh, Miowski, I think we've definitely got goals in us. Um, it's just going to maybe be a case of winning that that midfield battle first of all, because we know that's where, where it's gonna be uh very intense and we've come up short um on too many instances. If we can win that and then you know get our our more creative players on I'd be backing the inclusion of a Hayden Colson in this game. Um, you know, getting Leighton Clarkson more involved in in the in the game rather than chasing shadows. I do I do honestly think we've got enough to uh to break them down. Yeah.
0: Go on then Gav. If you're gonna do it, prediction. By the way, just while you're pondering your prediction, I've just had a quick look in the bookies. Um Stracken's into one to two. Uh heroes um, well heroes welcome for Gordon Strachan. at the uh at, two to at, one on. Two to one on he is now the bookies. I think it's the shortest I've seen any Oz for this entire time. Oh Dave. Oh Dave. <laughs> I know. Davey, what are you doing, oh, Dave? Mate?
1: Dave. Oh, oh Dave. Heroes Welcome for Gordon Strachan, which turns ugly when he reveals Martin McGee to be his secret. Guest first team coach 2 1 Aberdeen. two Aberdeen. Bruce Anderson will score because, of, of course. course, he will. Um, Miofsky will get a double.
0: Lovely stuff. Uh, I'm gonna suggest that it's gonna finish
1: Aberdeen three,
0: Livingston nil. Jake Orter's is gonna get a clean sheet. Um, that's what I'm gonna go for. I'm just seeing a message come to us just now about something. Um, which uh, will be interesting. Huh. It's like a different option. Um, Strachan is a number two to Barry Robson. Hmm. There we go. We'll wait and see what happens as the week progresses, I guess, on that front. Where was I? Sorry. Yes, uh, 3-0 Aberdeen. Uh, the Dons will continue our decent home run and we'll get ourselves back in the mix for top six. A 3-0 win, I think, as well. would we push us back into the top six. Just, yeah, well, just
1: You know what? I mean, I've... I still, in part, think this is all just a rumor <laughs> mill that's gained, that's just gathered too much steam, and now it's, it feels like it's becoming reality because the bookies are acting upon it. But it's You always know just, like, you know you a just thing. stop. You know always just stop and think for like a minute about like what we've become. I didn't expect <laughs> this to happen at this point in the podcast, but fuck it. I'm, no, I'm I know. Gonna, I'm gonna do it. Like, uh, and, and this is not to be confused with me going down some kind of look let's look back at the glory days um under my but like we were a stable club we were up, <laughs> in the up we were in the upper echelons of the table we got quite deep quite often in the semi in like the cup competitions and like i know people will say that if you lose the final it's as much as like losing the first game but that's clearly fucking nonsense um as well um and like we were in a good place like i know the squad needed rebuilding when it did but like we weren't <laughs> I'm I'm before next week's podcast I'm gonna go back and look at the last time we lost as many games as lost how many games in a season where we lost three or more goals because I would love to know when that last was versus what we've done in the last year or so without looking at it I suspect it was McGee it probably was I mean it probably was if it wasn't him it was probably Patterson maybe Caldwell I don't know um I'm gonna go back and look at this um and like, man, we just, I can't get my head around that statement prior to the one that said there's no update where, yes, Alan Burrows is coming in. Uh, we always wanted a chief executive, but it just wasn't possible. I was like, yeah. so was there not like an argument, like if you're going to go ahead with this new vision, this new way of being, but you can't put all the pieces in place. There's not an argument to me that maybe you make more of an effort just to keep the status quo in place until you can. But no, we're Aberdeen, so we'll go ahead and we'll hire this guy who was a player with us before, and now he's coaching the Atlanta junior team where John Gallagher and Jack Gerr can get a game. And meanwhile, he's, we're, we're bringing him in, by the way, at the same time that we've got a manager in place, so that's a classy move all around. And then we'll, you know, bring in the director of football, but we actually don't know anyone, so let's give the guy that has everyone's passports, let's make him the director of football. He'll, he can learn the job on the job, fine. Oh, yeah, and we need, you're the man for the manager's role because he'll develop the players. You're not going to be involved in signing any of them. We're going to get a head of recruitment for you. Oh, yeah, the head of recruitment. The one we've identified, he needs to work a notice until after the summer. So, um, Stephen, Alan, Henry, get on the laptops, get scouting. Like, our recruitment policy that summer, when you stop and think about it, is like the equivalent of you've got a game of fives on Thursday and Wednesday evening you've got like eight people. There's two spaces still up for grabs and no one's replying. So you just put into the chat, anyone got a mate that could play? (laughs) And Steven comes back and says, "Um, well, I know this guy called Jack. He's not very good, but he's fast. He'll run about a little bit. And Alan comes in and says, yeah, I've got a mate called Jay. Lazy bastard, but he'll fill up a number. And it's just snowballed from there and it's snowballed and uh, four goals, 15 goals conceded. In our last three away games, knocked out of the cup by Darvel. I, I watched the BBC Scotland coverage of Darvel versus Falkirk. Fucking Falkirk. <laughs> and I watched them dismantle Darvel with ease. It was depressing how easy it was for them. And I think back to our shower and what they did. And then, you know, the season is just disappearing into the abyss. Our next thing we're going to do is potentially bring in. A 66-year-old man who hasn't managed in club football for 13 years, who just hired Mark McGee to come and save Dundee. A guy that gave Aberdeen £600,000 for Lee Miller, who was out of contract in six months' time. Uh, It's enough enough to make you cry.
0: Just as we're on, um, Aberdeen have just tweeted out, um, so... this is totally taking a right turn all of a sudden but <clears throat> on his return to the USL this month the Aberdeen FC chairman Dave comment underwent tests that required uh, that revealed he required open heart surgery. He is going to need a period of time. After a prognosis to make a full recovery he had the following comments having struggled with high cholesterol I had a heart calcium test performed having no symptoms it was a real shock to find out I had three significant blockages in my arteries. <clears throat> it's hard not to make a joke here about Rowies. Um... Thankful it was caught in time. I'll undergo a triple heart bypass surgery this week with Alan Burrows coming in in a week's time. Um, I'll be able to take the time I need to rest and recover. Alan will pick up the early work done so far on appointing a new manager and lead the process on behalf of the board. I want to take the opportunity to thank Phil Dons fans for their incredible support and to reaffirm my commitment to the club we all love. So uh, obviously, um, I think, uh, speaking for the three of us on here, that's uh, obviously some major news that Dave Cormack needs to deal with. And uh, obviously, despite a lot of things that we... Um, criticise the club for and criticise um, Dave Cormack for on an individual level We obviously wish him and his Family all the very best in terms of his Recuperation from That uh, surgery going forward I have just tweeted something out A minute ago about if somebody Could please delete all of Dave's Copies of the glory of Gothenburg That would be helpful, I maybe need to take that down Now because it probably looks a bit churlish In comparison to that news But there we go Um I think we should probably just wrap things up here. I think. Well, well, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, wish him all the best. Clearly, and yes, it's impossible to not make a joke about rowies and bacon. Of course, it's not. Um, but uh, yeah, wish him all the best. And um, but also, that doesn't excuse the fact you've ruined my football club. <laughs> <laughs> um, will that do us now? Um, I think this. Yeah, we've probably feel like we're on choppy waters now. So um, <laughs> yeah, let's just, wrap, so. let's just wrap this one up. Yeah, I think that's probably the best thing to do. Right there, we go. In a slightly
0: chaotic and unscripted finale to this week's show. We'll see you next time round for episode 92, 92, where we'll review this match. Uh, The the, the game against Livingston, and then we'll preview our trip to Tanadice under the lights for a Saturday night, six o'clock kickoff, where we'll kickstart Dundee United's comeback
1: like Lazarus from the relegation fight. I imagine. I mean, it was a sold-out section at South Park. It'll be a sold-out allocation at Tanneries. God <laughs> bless you, people. But well, you're absolutely off your fucking head.
0: <laughs> we'll be there, Gav. We'll be there. Oh it's... no, I'm I'm unavailable for that one. Are you? Well, get, yeah. Graham and I, I think we'll be there for this one. So it's us as well. I don't know what we're thinking. There we go. If you like this episode, why wouldn't you? It's been a fucking shambles. Please remember to like, subscribe, or follow, whatever you do on your podcast player of choice. We'll see you next time. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's A-B-Z Pod for a £3 pint of Fosters, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest of stop-taking supporters, to Clodagh Stadium, for free, on match days. Come on, you Reds!